I am Corrado, and this is Larry, and uh, we would like to welcome you all to our 18th retreat, July retreat. Our first retreat together was in 85. Um, so I'm particularly happy to be here. Uh, and um, just before coming, I was looking into <coughs> the Samyutta Nikaya in this uh, scripture. And um, I find that the beginning is very inspiring. On one occasion, the Blessed One was dwelling at Savatthi in Jeta's grove. Then when the night had advanced, a certain deity of stunning beauty, illuminating the entire Jeta's grove, approached the Blessed One. Having approached, he paid homage to the Blessed One, stood to one side and said to him, how, dear sir, did you cross the flood? By not halting, friend, and by not straining, I crossed the flood. But how is it, dear sir, that by not halting and by not straining, you crossed the flood? When I came to a standstill, friend, then I sank. But when I struggled, then I got swept away. It is in this way, friend, that by not halting and by not straining, I crossed the, f the flood. Now, don't you think that we need another retreat to have a better understanding of uh, uh, those lines? Because this is something that uh, we constantly learn and forget and learn again and forget again. And uh, uh, gradually and slowly incorporate in our, in our system. But uh, it takes time and practice and it takes special uh, occasions like intensive practice occasions, like retreats in which uh, um, at ease, I don't know whether this is the right expression for a retreat, but anyhow, at ease, we can uh, um, understand, we can acknowledge and understand why, how, and when we come to a standstill, we get stuck, we, we, we uh, um, foster drifting along passionately and self-destructively, and better understanding of how, when, and, and, and uh, uh, why, we struggle, we get identified, uh, and we start feeding the reactive mind, the judging mind. A very important understanding, a basic, fundamental understanding. And from this understanding, trust comes. With less understanding, less trust, 
more halting, more being swept away, with more understanding, more trust, less halting, less training. So I think retreats uh, are a good invention because they help in a unique way, you know, with this uh, protected context, to go deeper into this crucial, uh, into this crucial matter. Now, trust has to do with refuges, which now we are going to take. But I would like to spend a few words about refuges and precepts before reciting them together. Seems to me that um, the taking refuge in the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, um, there are at least in the West, three groups of, of um, <coughs> meditators. Meditators who are more interested in uh, other aspects of the practice and that have little interest for the practice of taking uh, refuges. Uh, a second group of meditators who enjoy uh, the ritual of, uh, the occasional ritual of uh, uh, taking refuge, but uh, do not are not interested beyond that, are, are not interested beyond this. And then there is a third group who enjoy taking refuge as a practice in itself, taking refuge in difficult times to remind ourselves of what counts, and taking refuge in uh, happy times uh, in order not to get identified and 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 attached to uh, this situation and enjoy and being able to enjoy uh, uh, the happy times. I personally like uh, the practice of uh, taking refuge. It is uh, uh, for myself a very strong help in letting go. Say sometimes pure awareness is uh, enough to dissipate confusion. At other times, one needs a reinforcement. Uh, it can be, for me, uh, the phrase "just let go." Uh, that that can be a, a, a good help. At other times, doesn't help much. And what helps is the refuge, taking refuge. Hmm? even in apparently uh, uh, irrelevant matters, uh, apparently, because there are no irrelevant matters when it comes to uh, uh, our mind functioning. Like if we have a mild confusion, uh, it is confusion, period. But it's mild, okay, it's mild, but it's confusion. If, if, if we can work on a mild confusion, uh, that's very important. We'll be able to work on stronger confusion. It doesn't go the other way around. So for instance, um, predictably, uh, I know that um, a few days before leaving Italy and uh, coming over here, I go neurotic for a few hours uh, it is not that I, I am beyond neurosis, but I, let's say that I, I get particularly neurotic for a few hours, 
and, and start thinking, where are you going? You know, you're leaving your family, you're leaving your sangha, uh, and you go to the United States where they have plenty of Dharma teachers, and uh, uh, you think you are needed, this is pathetic, and so on, I don't know. Uh, so at one point I wake up and I start taking the refuges. And this, this uh, makes me sane again. I, you know, this, 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 uh, <coughs> all this dust, all this confusion uh, subsides uh, and drops. And uh, I know that uh, after an obvious, um, um, an obvious um, um, unpleasant feeling uh, in, in leaving, then uh, I'd be happy because um, I've done this I've done this 18 times, so I know, I know, I know from experience. But uh, the the uh, the neurotic bout is uh, is going to happen. Uh, it's predictable, and uh, I don't fight with it. I don't I don't try to resist it or to control it. I take refuge. So I turn towards what counts and and let this uh you know this this uh <coughs> ebullition this this uh <coughs> kind of energy uh, to subside so refuge in the buddha the one who knows inside but also the archetype of the individual on 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 his or her search taking refuge uh, in uh, the Dharma, uh, in the uh, uh, visible and verifiable uh, practice, as the scriptures say, and its fruit, and taking refuge in the Sangha. Now, the Sangha is, this Sangha is, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the combination, the, 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 the summation of, of all the other Sangha uh, who are right now uh, exist, but it is also the Arya Sangha, the Noble Sangha, by which what it is meant is all the people, men and women, uh, who got uh, a level of deep, uh, inner maturation or inner realization, arhats, bodhisattvas, uh, down down the centuries. So this, I, I I I find this very inspiring. It's almost uh, you know a prayer to uh, all this uh, arya sangha uh, people who realize the fruit of the teaching and uh, uh, in a sense uh, putting ourselves under their protection and, 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 and blessing. What do we do when we take, when we take um, refuge? What do we do? We, um, we affirm our commitment to abandon, to let go, our egocentric vision. 
this is the other, the other side of the refugees. Taking refuge huh, means a commitment to work uh, at understanding uh, our uh, egocentric vision, our egocentric dream, as Joko Beck would say, and, and, uh, and work to, to, to let it go. Now, a part of ourselves is very excited about this perspective. Another part is less because we leave behind, uh, or we uh, try uh, to leave behind our um, habitual vision. And where where will we be going? There is a there is a unknown territory in front of us. There is an uncertain area in front of us, and this can uh, uh, can generate fear, can generate doubt. So it is an invitation to work on our fear. Taking refuges is also an invitation to work on our fear and to work to develop courage. Someone, I don't remember who, 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 uh, who he, he was, uh, said that we should, uh, this act of taking a refuge um, implies the confidence that the world is not going to collapse if we uh, lose our attachments. Because the, our resistance uh, has very much to do with, with, with some, you know, this kind of major fear. Uh, letting go of uh, uh, my egocentric vision, which is my vision, my way of, my way of uh, looking at things, my habitual way. And then what? I think it's good that that the the uh, taking uh, taking refuges uh, um, puts us in front of this stuff of this of this uh, problems, and uh, um, we can acknowledge them. We can uh, it, it becomes it becomes um, um, uh, more difficult to ignore them. Finally, taking, taking refuge means also asking, asking for protection, asking for, for, uh, for, for, for refuge. Now, there can be easily uh, a misunderstanding in, in this regard, both in, 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 in East and West. Like protection uh, meant in a very, you know, inadvertently, in a very mundane way. Yes, protection means that uh, things go smoothly and uh, unpleasant things uh, will almost never happen and so on and so forth. Now, wha what is important to understand, I think, is that we are talking about protection from the ego, 
not for the ego, which is what, what we would like, no? honestly. <laughs> Protection from, from ego. In other words, it is asking uh, for protection of our um, dharma practice, which has nothing to do with things going smoothly or not smoothly. Protection of our practice. So do we want to protect our practice? It is essential. But often protecting our ego and protecting our practice are two polar opposites. So again, we may fall into fear. Oh, but I want to protect both. Mm. It doesn't work. Overprotection of ego means very little practice. And uh, finally, uh, there is in the Dharma always, this is always emphasized, you know, giving and receiving, receiving and giving. So we, we, uh, we ask, and what do we offer? We ask for protection, and what do we offer? Practice. That's the, the best offering, always emphasized. You can offer many things, but the best offering is practice. So we offer practice in order to have our practice protected. It's not crazy. There is a, 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 very, logical, a, a very logical line. But of course, there are other ways of offering, like we, we eat our food and while, or before, or during and after, we offer our food to Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. It's another way of reminding ourselves of what counts. Precepts. The precepts, uh, you know, the more one practices, the more the years go by, uh, the more one sees uh, uh, the, 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 the logical uh, design, you know, of having the precepts rooted in, in the refuges. First, there are, you know, the, 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 there are the refuges, and then one takes the precepts. It's very, again, very logical. Why? Because the precepts which are not rooted in the space, the sacred space of the refuges, in the sacred space of a deepening practice, stay just precepts, <laughs> if we may say so, just rules for a civilized living. But they do not turn into something more, because sila means precepts, but sila means also virtue. So the maturing of precepts, of norms, into virtue, into an intensification of our uh, ethical sensitivity. That's the transforming factor. It's not forcing ourselves in doing this or that. Um, back in the 80s, um, this uh, philosopher and scholar, McIntyre, wrote this famous book called After Virtue, After Virtue. The book is not called The Decline of Virtue, it's called After Virtue. We are <laughs> after virtue. Now this is not 
a self-righteous statement or a moralistic statement, you know, uh, implying, uh, um, figuring out uh, uh, that, the, 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 that today there are less virtuous people than in the past. Nothing of this sort. Simply the fact that virtue is not any longer a universal, honored, respected value, uh, a polar uh, uh, star anymore which uh, used to orient uh, people. It's not like that anymore. Now, I think that uh, anyone uh, who is um, engaged in, a, in some sort of, a, of a, an inner path is entrusted the responsibility to nourish uh, whatever uh, reminds what is important, what counts, so that uh, from being after after virtue, uh, virtue becomes uh, again uh, something which more and more the culture considers beautiful which is not the case now. Imagine saying, you know, I want to introduce you to a very virtuous friend of mine. Um, you know, we can imagine um, uh, embarrassed reactions or uh, things like that. So something major has happened. It is not just the words, uh, it's facts. So may this retreat help us uh, deepening the understanding of uh, the Dharma and the beauty of the Dharma for the individual and for the community. Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namutasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namutasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Buddham Saranam Gachami Dhamam Saranam Gachami Sangam Saranam Gachami Dutiampi Buddham Saranam Gachami Dutiampi Dhamam saranam gachami Dutiampi sangam saranam gachami Tatiampi buddham saranam gachami 
Tatiyampi Dhamam Saranam Gachami Tatiyampi Sangam Saranam Gachami Panatipata Veramanisi Kapadam Samadhyami so, sorry, one word at a time. <laughs> Panatipata, Veramani, Sikapadam, Samadhyami. I undertake the training to abstain from harming living beings. Adinadana. Veramani, Sikapadam, Samadhyami. I undertake the training to abstain from taking what has not been given. Abramacharya, Veramani, Sikapadam. Samadhyami. I undertake the training to abstain from sexual activity. Musavada. Veramani. Sikapadam. Samadhyami. I undertake the training to abstain from false speech. Sura Meraya Maja Pamadatana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami I undertake the training to abstain from the use of intoxicating substances. And now the dedication, idam, mesilam, magga, pala, nyanasya, pachayo, hotu. May this virtue of mine help bring about knowledge of the path and its fruit. It's an interesting retreat for me in that uh, Corrado and I have done this particular retreat for 18 times. There are people here who I 
have sat with uh, way beyond that. It seems like a hundred years ago. Uh, and it is a kind of familiar, warm, friendly, cozy, even family feeling, at least for some of us. And yet there's also a discipline that's going to accompany us this week. And so I hope we can balance both of those. There's no reason why they can't both not even be a both. Because uh, none of you are stark, raving, mad beginners who don't know why you're here. Just find yourself here because uh, your girlfriend is practicing and, and you don't want this distance to establish itself, so you come between you. Uh, everyone here has done some practice. Some have done a lot, but everyone has done some retreats. And we can assume that. Uh, in doing that, we can. there's no reason why we can't also assume that you want to be here and that your energy uh, will be coming from you. And so that even though there's a warm, friendly feeling between us, not even even though, we just say I'm caught in the old mind, uh, we can still follow certain rules which are necessary because there's so many of us um, so that we can create this small culture, a little culture for seven days. As you know, it builds up and uh, we become f very familiar to one another even though we're not speaking. And so there can be this warmth and support and also determination and uh, protecting the silence, learning from ourselves, learning from others as we see what's going on. Uh, and we've all done this before and I just know we can just start right in. Um, sometimes the, the Buddha's teaching is talked about as the three, three trainings. Sila, Samadhi, Panya. Virtue. Establishing a concentrated or a, st a stability of mind, collectedness of mind, and then insight, genuine vipassana. And of course, as practice unfolds and the way life is, it's not so neat and tidy. Uh, it helps to teach, to talk that way in these three compartments, but they all grow together. They also all flounder together if you don't do it. Uh, for me, uh, a gathering like this, put in simple terms, is creating a set of conditions where self-knowing can go on. That is. We've created a, a set of conditions where you have very, very few responsibilities other than staying awake, being in touch with yourself from moment to moment. You have a yogi job, but you know, even those of you who, I'm sorry, if you got dealt a dishwasher job, it's a little longer and hotter and sweatier, but um, we all have a yogi job. And um, the rest of the day is really sitting and walking, etc. But there's one message that's going to be conveyed from the moment we wake up until we go to sleep. It's just now. Uh, and what is now? Now is just simply, it's just simply this. It's always going to be that way. Now is just, it's just simply this. You have a now right now. Whoop, it's gone. And 
this culture of if all of us apply ourselves this way, we all benefit. We create a culture where we fall asleep and wake up, fall asleep and wake up, and we're all helping one another. Um, for me, self-knowing, coming to know ourselves, uh, may include a lot of what is considered psychological, but it, it goes in a somewhat different direction. Um, Dharma practice includes ordinary learning about yourself. How can you not, even if you just think you're officially following the breath, officially sitting in an upright posture as you breathe? But don't you learn things even if we don't say that? How can you not? Things come up about yourself, and you're being encouraged to pay attention. So the learning goes on. Uh, this is a special community where the conditions have been created to help us do that. I see it as, uh, for me, Dharma, which has many meanings, the one that means a great deal to me is a natural truth or natural law. You could say law of nature. Uh, but law of nature isn't just what's on the National Geographic program. It includes the mind and the heart. There's nothing left out, really. And so the Buddha said he rediscovered an ancient truth. It's not that he made it up, uh, which is to say that there's a lawfulness, there's an intelligence in the universe. And uh, the more we're able to live in accordance with that intelligence, uh, the more harmonious our life is and the lives of those who are living with us, who come in contact with us. So the practice to me is to help us deliver the wisdom of nature. The wisdom's there. We're not constructing it with a hammer and nails or anything like that or making it up with creativity. But we're not fully able to deliver it. We're not able to have contact with it, to let it do its job. And the, the three trainings have a lot to do with calming, steadying the mind, enabling it to be collected so they can see more deeply into itself. Even, let's say, take sila, the ethical qualities that Karada was talking about, and the Buddha's teachings, the verbal teachings, to begin with, their words which are on, in, in books now and even on internet and which Corrado and I will be presenting orally. But those words are just pointers. They're just pointing in a certain direction. Of course, much of it is pointing in the direction of right here. Even sila, let's say virtue, to begin with, their ideas, notions about how to live as Corrado put it, the basic minimum for civilized living. And it's true. We don't uh, say, oh, that person is just an extremely virtuous person. If we said that, you wouldn't want to meet them. We'd assume that they're stilted, self-conscious, self-righteous, stiff, moralistic, and boring. And yet, Dharma practice in delivering the wisdom of nature includes the flowering of goodness. It's not something you construct. You don't learn it in Sunday school or synagogue or wherever, temple. Yet, perhaps we need reminders again and again. As the mind becomes clearer, 
emptying itself of all of the known, all the things, it's, all of its accumulated baggage, which is necessary too to live in a, in a world w with each other, it comes in contact with this wisdom and enables us to, us to deliver it first and foremost to ourselves and then in action, whether the action is verbal or whatever. And so a mind that at first may honor these precepts using restraint to make sure that we honor them, more and more it's something that flows out of the nature of the mind. It isn't something that's uh, so self-conscious or has to be uh, learned. But as I think everyone in this room knows, probably we're all in a position to, uh, to be humble about that one and to pay close attention. The samadhi part will uh, as you know, begin, we'll begin that this evening. Just Some of that comes about just by simple upright sitting and breathing, paying attention, bringing attention to every activity that we do. Whatever it is you're doing, do it. And noticing how you're not doing it, how you're separated from it by thoughts, by wanting to do it. Let's say you have a simple yogi job of just sweeping the kitchen floor. Maybe you're not just doing it because you're trying too hard. You want it to be spotless. You really want to be, uh, do it right, really be a good yogi. That gets in the way. You have to ease off a little on that or see it in yourself. Or you don't like the job. You're bored with it or it's beneath you or you know what can be brought up. And so whatever we do together for these seven days, moment by moment, this uh, is strengthening that. So the mind, uh, there are certain ethical principles there, mostly taken care of, very easy to take care of on a retreat. Uh, we, it's hard to, I mean, I, it can be done. Let's say it says take one slice of bread and you look around, take two. You don't go to prison for that. It's not going to be on the 6 o'clock news. But. And then, of course, the insight, the discernment, more and more beginning to see into ourselves. And the delivering of wisdom is, uh, finally, it's not words. It's not wise words. It's not who can quote more of the Buddha. It's how you live. And that has to be authentic. It's not something that can be faked. And it comes out of clearer, 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 clearer mind. And that's what we're doing here. We're all here trying to help one another Karada was talking about uh, protecting ourselves from the self or ego rather than protecting the ego. Another way to look at a retreat, it's a, a place to come to die. I don't know if you see it that way. I do. Die to all this self-preoccupation. Die to all the tremendous significance and importance we give to often to trivia. It's harder to get away with that on a retreat when you're quiet and paying attention. Some of the problems that we've brought here, when we look at them, uh, seem really insignificant. Not all of them. Some problems are quite substantial. And so I hope all of us together uh, cooperate, create this small culture of a uh, hundred plus people um, attempting to as you all know, these groups, meditation groups, are kind of strange. We're alone and together. 
you're here to really work on yourself, and yet, inescapably, we're with others. And we benefit others, and we also interfere with others, depending on how we live. The commitment is to use whatever happens, no matter what it is, to turn it into dharma, to learn from it, to help free yourself. In this sense, the whole retreat exists in order to help us get free, no matter what happens. So no matter what you want to talk about, you have that option, how you approach it, how you come to it. Um, some of you have come a long way and are tired, and I, I think what we'll do is have a, a sitting before we all, well those, most of us will be going to sleep, getting a good night's rest beginning in the morning. Tomorrow will be a silent day. No discussions, no discussion groups, no, no nothing. Just an opportunity to sit and walk, to do each thing carefully, to settle down, to settle in. Uh, you've been sitting for a while now, listening to the uh, manager's uh, guidelines and now us. If you feel like standing and moving, stretching, please do. And then we'll have a sitting. It won't be overly long tonight. Here's a, uh, a strange dharma while you're stretching. We try to, if you're a snorer, one who snores a lot while sleeping, you can't help it if you're, if you're a real snorer. You're not just trying to get a single. <laughs> we, we try to put you in your own room and put other snorers in their own room. But there's been a lot of pressure on this. There's no space. And so some of you may be thrown in with other people, uh, perhaps snorers or who knows what. And <laughs> I don't think it's the most serious problem in life, but uh, there it is. We can't change it. Maybe you got uh, working on pots and it's going to be hot. Wouldn't you rather just be doing some simpler, easy job? I don't know what. As a, you know, we used to have a library here and one job was just dusting off the books. It would take about seven minutes. So if, uh, if you're a snorer trapped with another snorer or a non-snorer, uh, it's practice too. Okay. Didn't convince you, did it? <laughs> you want to sleep. Bring the body into what for you feels like an upright posture. If you like, sway to the left and right a bit and forward and back so that you find that place that's right in the middle, not too far to the left, not too far to the right, not bent over forwards, not falling over backwards, but as best as you can, finding that place of balance with the neck, the head, the neck, and the back in a straight line. For many of you, the eyes are closed. It would be closed very softly. 
not squeeze shut. Some of you prefer to keep the eyes partially open. It's your choice. And right to begin with, just briefly get a sense of the body. How are we beginning our retreat together? What's it like? What's the body like? Any places where we're holding or poised for action or determined like the jaw or the shoulders. And it's not that you have to relax the the tight spot. Just see it. Usually mindfulness touches it and it softens things. The eyes are squeezed shut tightly. Relax. Relax them. See the tightness. Feel it. That usually does it. The chin is tilted downwards just slightly. Helps the breathing. And take a survey of the mind as well. Is there a particular mood you're beginning the retreat with? Perhaps something left over from work or family life? Excited and optimistic, apprehensive? There's no official attitude. Just see if there's anything in the mind that colors the mind at this moment, just notice it. The body, the mind. And if you like, take three or four breaths that are a bit deeper than the way you usually breathe, but not forced or strained. And then simply allow the breathing to unfold naturally. There's no special way that the breath is supposed to be. Just let it be the way it is. So right away, we're learning, we're strengthening, a certain very important attitude in our practice here, as most of you know, this art of allowing, just permitting things to be exactly as they are. You're sitting as erect and comfortable as possible. In yoga, the standard for a posture, when a posture is perfected or correct, is that it's both stable and comfortable. Of course, we know that sometimes it's neither. But part of the education, the self-re-education of Dharma practice, is helping the body learn how to sit comfortably and in a stable way for extended periods of time, providing a, a beautiful physical aspect of the of the mind practice a whole person practice practices it's not just minds sitting there perched on a body so they're sitting there's breathing and we're learning how to allow the breath to be exactly the way it is
shallow, deep, coarse, fine, pleasant, unpleasant. Let it be. Are we awake to the way the breathing is? In this sense of the body sitting. Is the sitting, breathing body as upright and as relaxed as possible? And as we sit and breathe, Stay awake. The world doesn't stop. Sounds come and go. Thoughts race through the mind. Moods come and go. Images are produced and dissolve. Pictures and here comes a sound. And the body feels a certain way because it's alive. We're not for or against what's happening. We're allowing it all to happen. Learning how to peacefully coexist with the way everything other than breath is. But the breathing for right now is featured. Sitting, breathing, knowing it. And as we all know, from time to time, our attention slips off the breath, slips off the sense of sitting. We find ourselves caught up in something, preoccupied, planning, worrying, imagining, and so forth. When we become aware that we're not aware, of course, you're immediately aware again. Once again, there you are, sitting and breathing. No need for blame, judgment, harshness, evaluation. Awareness of unawareness, the practice is back on track. It can be effortless and relaxed and alert all at the same time.
Please listen to the sound of the bell as you breathe in and as you breathe out until there's no sound to be heard. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.